for the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope everyone's having a blessed day, as always today. And got some few different articles I've been reading, and actually quite exciting to see some people that are leading in their field or saying the exact same thing we are. I got an article sent to me this morning, and it came out of Canada, and it said, Top Edmonton Doctor in Virology says Albertans are being led down the garden path by government health officials. What does he mean by that? Hodgkins is the CEO of Western Medical Assessments in Canada and has been the company's medical director for over 20 years. He received his general medical degree from Cambridge University and then became a Royal College Certified Pathologist in Canada following his residency in Vancouver. And he came out now yesterday and said, and I quote, There is utterly unfounded public hysteria driven by the media and politicians involving COVID. It's outrageous. This is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the unsuspecting public. There's absolutely nothing to be done to contain this virus other than protecting your more vulnerable people. It should be thought of as nothing more than a bad flu season. He goes on to say, and I continue to quote him, masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence based on their effectiveness whatsoever. Seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge, putting their mask on is horrific. He goes on to say that social distancing is useless because the virus can travel up to 30 meters before landing. He said positive tests, which do not accurately reflect whether you have a virus, are driving public hysteria through the roof. Adding testing should stop unless you show up to a hospital with respiratory problems. He then called on for residents of long-term care homes to be given daily doses of vitamin D, which can significantly battle the virus. Guys, it's nice to see other people speaking the truth, even in other countries right now. As we're watching it again, I had a friend of mine text me up last night, an individual I know from a lot of automotive stuff, and they live out in New Mexico. And uh, they had asked me how basically everything's going in Florida. And I said, well, Florida's pretty great, actually. I said, there's not, nothing's locked down at all. I said, there's some liberal cities, you know, where idiots are still running around with masks and telling people, you know, to come in their store, they have to wear masks. I said, but for the most part, we're full-blown open. Everything's good to go. And I said, all the areas that are awake, I said, nobody's requiring masks. Everybody knows they're not healthy. And he goes, wow. He goes, I, from the media, he goes, it sounds like Florida's, like, following down this, like, black hole of death. And I said, no. I said, that's the media. I said, the media is lying about everything that's happening in Florida right now. I said, there's not a huge spike in COVID deaths. There's not a huge spike in hospitalizations. I said, in fact, quite the opposite. I said, everything's continued to taper down. And he said, well, it's crazy. He said, we never even got above 25% capacity in most areas of New Mexico. And he said, now we're locked down again for another month and basically can't do anything. He said, so we're flying out and going to Florida in like two weeks. He said, we're done. We're, we're just, we're, we're leaving the state for a while. We can't deal with it anymore. I said, well, I said, it seems like everybody's flying to Florida right now. And I said, I can't say as I blame you, but just remember, we're peninsula. We're one side away from being an island and we don't have that much room. So, too many people can't come over here. Florida might tip over. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Anyways, how are you doing this morning, Dad? <laughs> you know what's so funny, Austin? Uh, you know, it's it's almost hard to believe people cease to th- think about stuff like this. But uh, there was a congressman who was talking a few years ago, and I think they were talking about the island of Guam. And he actually said, 
we have too many people, or the island of Hawaii, I don't remember, we have too many people coming to this island, and if we're not careful, it'll capsize. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not joking, guys. He really said that, and he really meant that. It wasn't a joke. He really, really, really meant that. And I thought to myself, does anybody actually believe anything this guy says now if he actually believes that this could happen? And it, it's crazy to me that people, you know, I guess they go through our educational system in this country and they kind of get to the point where they really don't learn a whole lot and then they end up running for Congress and they get into a situation where they get accepted and they may or may not even be able to read. I mean, we see that all the time with people who basically, you know, get into college and they get passed through. A lot of times it's because of affirmative action and they get all the way through and they really don't have any reading or writing skills whatsoever. And some of these people actually become teachers and because they're teachers and because they're brought into the school system, and a lot of times because they're minorities, and I'm not just picking on minorities, there could be any kind of color you want for this, because I've seen pretty, I've seen, let me put it this way, dumb teachers have no color boundary. I'll just put it that way. I mean, they're all over the place. you got whites, blacks, Hispanic, Mexican, Hispanic, uh, you know, I've already said Hispanic, you know, Russian, all of this Chinese, who are basically shouldn't even be in a teaching profession. So, Anybody who believes an island is going to tip over just really shouldn't be in Congress as far as what I'm concerned about. But anyhow, let me share something. This, this is more on a somber note. I want to talk for just a second because an article came out in the Daily Mail. that's talk about the problems with you know mood swings with pregnant women, and that that has it has tripled, and the and the rates have been absolutely off the charts in the last decade. And it says, research looked at more than 595,000 women in the year before and the after they gave birth from 2006 to 17. And diagnosis of basically suicide and meaning thoughts and plans and attempts has tripled uh, with women. In other words, a lot of women have a lot of problems now with mood swings and postpartum depression after they have babies. Now, let me explain really what this is caused by, because this article dances through the tulips and doesn't get into why the real why this happens. And the, and the reality is most medical professionals really don't know why this is happening. I mean they, they really don't know. So you know it's hard for them to come in now and try to discuss this. The reason this happens is this. When a woman is in her last trimester, the amount of omega-3 that the baby needs for proper brain development goes through the roof. This is like cod liver oil, not omega-6, omega-3. It helps to develop the entire brain structure. In addition to, it helps to form a higher IQ. And when a woman doesn't get enough omega-3 in her diet, almost everybody's deficient in omega-3, they only get omega-6 in their diets, which is like corn oil or soybean oil. They end up basically, the brain, yes, the human, the mother's brain, is the omega-3 is pulled out of the mother's brain to be put into the infant's brain. When this happens... It causes severe problems with postpartum depression. And, you know, you saw that with Marie Osmond a few years ago. She was, like, suicidally depressed. And, you know, she was on national TV talking about this. You see it with Brooke Shields. All these different women don't understand, and their doctors obviously don't understand, the importance and the role of omega-3 in brain development in the fetus. So take extra cod liver oil while you're pregnant. Take a whole bunch of extra cod liver oil the last trimester. And if you're going to nurse, 
take cod liver oil. You say, well, I don't like the way it tastes. Well, then take a capsule. Okay, we got both. We got the capsules and we got the liquids. But you got to have omega-3 concentrated oil in your diet in high amounts when you're pregnant and when you're nursing. It's really important that we understand this because if we don't, we end up with these horrible suicide rates and postpartum depression rates with these women who basically give birth. And this is not something that's necessary. And, the, and again, I know with me, every once in a while, and it's very rare, you know, I'll feel a little bit down. And when I do, because I usually take cod liver oil. Anyhow, I go take extra cod. I take a bunch of, I take like four or five methylated B vitamins. I go take one of the 5-HTP. I don't take more than one of the 5-HTP because that doesn't do any good. Plus, it gives me a headache if I get too much of that. So I take one of those, the cod liver oil and the B-complex. And I'm telling you guys, you know, and sometimes I take folate. And I'm and within within an hour, my moods are great. I mean, it completely and totally eliminates it. So if you ever get down in a dump like that, especially, you know, if you're pregnant or if you're just over this whole COVID hysteria, you know, we had an ex-employee who left us last May, been with us like five years, and he decided to move up to Delaware to be with his aging father. And he called me up this morning and he goes, I've had it. You know, is my job still available? And I said, well, yeah, we've been holding it. We've been hoping you're coming back. It was unbelievably cold here right now. And he goes, they're telling me now that I have to wear a mask the entire time I'm at work. Can't have more than two people together in a group. He goes, it's nightmarish up here. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, it's not Florida. It's like Austin said, everybody wants to come to Florida now because, you know, not only are we basically a mask-free zone. <laughs> yes, we can call ourselves a mask-free zone <laughs> as, for, as far as Governor DeSantis. Now, mind you, you're still going to go into places like Target, and the CEO of Target is one of the top hot shows with Bill Gates and the gang. Just thought I'd mention that. And, you know, I could go into detail on that, but I don't really need to. You guys can look it up yourself. But, you know, we don't have to do business with Target either. You know, Target can just pound salt, you know, and also Costco can pound salt. Oh, I got that backwards. The, the CEO of Costco worked with Bill Gates, but I've already been picking on Target for so long it kind of came out. But also Costco and Target now are my two off lists. I'm done with them. have no interest in them. You know, Sam's Club down here is still pretty cool. Most people wear masks in there, but I don't ever wear masks, and they don't really care. So it's important that we stand the ground on this. Now, I just wrote a, read a really good article this morning, and it again, it kind of dances tiptoes through the tulips. And its article is, The Final Stage of Neo-Marxism's Long-Term Goal is Here. And it's an article by Hannah Nibintu. Herland, and it's very well written. But again, maybe she did it because she didn't have the ability to have a long enough article to be posted. I don't know. But there's a lot of gaps in this article, so I'm going to kind of fill in the gaps. So I'm going to read part of it. It says, how did the anti-history cancel culture movement get so well established that Marxism is now on the verge of taking over the United States political system? How do we get to where a handful of super-rich socialist big-tech billionaires reportedly steer the nation away from the values that founded it? Republic with full propaganda control over the media? The answer is that when the final stages of the Marxist movement goals, which began in the Frankfurt School of Germany in post-World War II. Okay, now, this is wrong, all right? The Frankfurt School began in Germany in the 20s. In 1933, the Frankfurt School left Germany and came to Columbia University. But it now, it also went back to Germany after World War II, after the overthrow of Hitler, because the primary people in the Frankfurt School were Jewish, and almost all of them were Zionists 
and almost all of them were Kabbalists. They studied from the Zohar. And so what we have to understand is who these guys were and what they wanted. Then she goes on to say, after the war in which National Socialism, Nazism, did not prevail, the founding fathers of the neo-Marxist 60s movement, such as Theodore Adorno, Herbert Marcuse, Max Horkheimer, Jacques Derrida, and others did not change their pre-war Marxist ideology, but only moderated it. In the 50s, this, some moved to the United States to begin the process of infusing neo-Marxist thought into the university systems. This happened in the 30s. It also happened with the millions of Russians who came in to the United States starting in the early 1900s who were then credentialed in the university systems in the United States. The aim was to bring utopia of deconstructing traditional values and radicalizing society away from its historical foundation. That's absolutely true. They introduced critical theory to Americans and were radical opponents of Christian, that's right, or religious philosophy. Why? Because they were Kabbalists. For example, the neo-Marxist philosopher Jacques Derrida defined the need for a deconstruction of traditional values and concepts. All right? This is basically destroying the nuclear family. Based on the belief that every power structure comes in pairs, strong, weak, white, black, man, woman, Western versus non-Western, his mistake was that the new left tyranny, the authoritarian destruction of a new way of life, would then take over, and that he thought the power structure remains forever static and does not. With the main is always above the women. This, 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 this gets weird here. But, but he goes, in Derrida's racist way of thinking, he ended up teaching that someone's skin color determines who is right or wrong, strong or weak. As unbelievable as this seems, the Western 60s youth were eager to embrace this deeply racist theory as they were taught to hate historical Western values. In other words, white people were bad. Traditional family was bad. And they decided to destroy the nuclear family, destroy the relationship between men and women. Herbert Marcuse, considered the father of student rebellion in the 60s, also a neo-Marxist, speaks out about the same, the need to pull down the traditional majority views, that's the white people, the Christian views, and actively discriminate against those in order to push for a neo Marxist takeover. And this is where we have, and these groups of people got into our university systems and basically took over the thought and the process of these children. Now, what she doesn't do in this article, she doesn't go back into Kabbalah. She doesn't go back into 1820 when the Masonic lodges decided that they wanted to create Israel out of Palestine and they set it up with Zionism and it continued to grow all the way into the early 1900s. First, we tried to push the Jewish folks in Europe to go back to Palestine, and they thought they were nuts because they didn't want to go back there because it was full of Muslims, and the Muslims hated the Jews, all the way until they started preaching and teaching the Schofield Bible in the early, late early 1900s with Samuel Untermeyer and pushed this World War I rhetoric this is what happened, and we have to understand that all of this stuff ties together as to who these guys were. And once we understand this and understand that this whole thing's a satanic, Kabbalist, Luciferian takeover trying to create a new world, one world order, and that the communists were primarily the Rothschilds paying for all of these provocateurs just like with George Soros now, to basically come into the United States 
and destroy the very culture of our society. That's what this is all about. It's a battle against these interdimensional entities that these guys worship that are running their thought process that basically want to destroy Christianity. They've had this atavistic hatred of Christ for thousands of years, of Christians for thousands of years. And as Protestants and white people and Catholics as the primary promoter of Christianity for thousands of years and the whites were primarily in charge of what was going on the Christians were primarily in charge of what was going on that's why this is a full-blown takeover of Christianity that's what this is guys now we can call it any other thing if you want the biggest problem that we have is that we as Christians have walked away from our responsibility our responsibility of what we've done in order or not done I should say as far as what we did not do to maintain our Christian culture and we've allowed this Marxist communist satanic Luciferian ideology to creep into our churches with our 5013C groups into our TV ministries on TV I mean it's ridiculous what that nonsense is all about and also with our politicians because remember if we don't maintain a Christian base in the United States as far as a group of Christians who are running the United States from a moral standpoint then you get what you got in this last election complete and total fraud because they don't have a moral compass to go by when you're a Christian and you believe that you have an all-powerful, omnipresent being who created you, who is watching you and knows what you're doing and that there'll be a moral judgment based upon what you did while you were here, you have a tendency to act right. Just be blunt, all right? Because you know that in the end, when you die, you're going to go to heaven or hell is what we're taught as Christians, which is what I believe, that you know, you're going to be rewarded by what you did, but you're also going to be punished if you didn't do what was right now we have Christ and we've got grace and we've talked about that many many times but that doesn't give us a license to sin Paul said in Romans should we go on sinning so that we can receive you know more grace and he said by no means we died to sin how should we live in it any longer and this is the problem that we have right now Christians have stopped being Christians and they've gone over to secularism that's why these guys in these polls who are Christians who are basically communists who are basically devoid of any you know, Christian values, can sit there and cheat and fill out ballots with Joe Biden's name on it by the thousands and thousands, by the millions, by the millions, and turn them in as legitimate documentation because they don't think there's a moral problem associated with that. They think that this is the only way to win. By hook or by crook, we're going to get this right. That's, what they, that's how they believe. That's the problem when you take Christianity out of society. Our Constitution is wholly inadequate for a non-Christian group of people. Look what's going on right now. Then we get these guys in power who tell us all of these lies about coronavirus. And Justin Trudeau just said last week that the coronavirus is going to provide the opportunity for a 2030 agenda and the Great Reset, which is communism globally. And we're sitting here watching this. Guys, we are watching the end of Western civilization right before our very eyes with a full realization of the Kabbalists, the Luciferians, these weirdos who practice out of the Zohar, and their complete and total takeover of the international banking systems over a hundred years ago, to now their entire takeover 
of the New York Stock Exchange, all major corporations on the entire planet, including the presidency of the United States, did not mention that, and complete and total control to bring us under a one-world dictatorship and a one-world religion. This is what we're watching right now. So if you're not actually energized right now to see what's going on, then you haven't been paying attention. But always bring it back to the Kabbalists, to the Luciferians, to the Druids, to the ancient Canaanite religions, to all of the things that we've seen that have transpired for the last thousands of years of recorded history and realize it's this unseen hand that's been doing all of this the entire time to enslave the human race. Austin, what do you think, bud? Well, that's, you nailed it on the head, and that's why I've, I've told everybody from the very beginning when that $2.2 trillion stimulus stealing package is what it was. It was a theft package. All it was, was designed to do was be one of the largest transfers of wealth of the American populace to the banker boys and all their cronies that run their companies. I mean, we've seen that now. This is why the billionaire net worth has increased exactly $2.2 trillion over the last eight months globally. The global billionaire net worth. There's roughly 2,000 billionaires in the world. Their net worth's increased over $2 trillion. And that's why Dad said, and I've said before, man, instead of locking down and shutting down all these small businesses, why don't we shut down Costco and Sam's for four weeks on a lockdown in some of these states? Hmm? I mean, if we're going to lock down, why don't you do that? Why don't you let all these other companies that want to basically make a little bit of money allow them to do so? But see, that's, that's not what the lockdowns are about. They're not about shutting the virus out. They're not about protecting the people. The lockdowns are being used as a key instrumental tool to completely and totally cripple and bankrupt the middle class. Because, as Dad just said, they're planning on having a full ruling elite billionaire boys club class, and they're going to have the peasant class. That's all they're planning on having in 2030. There is no anything in the middle. you got your worker bees. They make a couple dollars. They have their mortgages. They stay in debt their entire life. They basically scrounge around pennies. And you have the upper end that basically are full billionaires that control and run everything. And that key... Right, that that key thing, that key reasoning behind that is because when people start be, to become independently wealthy, when people don't have significant amounts of debt, when people actually can work and grow a business in a capitalistic society and actually make money and not be forced to shut your company down because of a novel virus, you actually have businesses where even you know average people can become moderately wealthy. And when you don't have them burdened and shackled with the monstrosity amounts of debt that they've done now to the country, well, it's pretty easy for people to be independent. Now we're starting to see here, the article just came out from Zero Hedge, Hundreds of companies that got the PPP loans have now gone bankrupt. They said at least half a billion in PPP loans will not be repaid. Imagine that. They said hundreds of companies employing over 23,000 people have now gone bankrupt after PPP funds ran out. The total number of companies that failed despite getting PPP loans is likely far higher. The journal also analyzed the big borrowers from the program, which accounted for about half of the overall loans though only about 13% of the total participants and many small businesses 
simply liquidate when they run out of cash rather than file for bankruptcy. The SBA also released data on the largest borrowers, which the journal linked to bankruptcy followings. They said now about $525 billion in loans were distributed over 5 million companies between April 3rd and August 8th. And this is what I warned everybody about when this started happening. I said, if you've got to get these loans, and you really can get it, and you're using it as a tool, utilize it. But understand, these things were designed for one thing and one thing only, to cripple the economy, to saddle these companies with more and more debt, and pretty much, in the long run, bankrupt these companies and allow the banks to come in and buy them as short sales and have very little money involved in them. You've got to think about it. If a company takes a you know, half a million dollar loan, right? They spend the money on payroll. They spend the money on the stuff they're supposed to spend it on. And at the end of the day, they go bankrupt. But then the bank comes in and says, okay, well, guess what? You're going bankrupt now. We're, you know, we're seizing your company because you've defaulted on your loans. The infrastructure in most cases is still there. The business is still there. The name's still there. So the, the bank just comes in and absorbs the entire company for pennies on the dollar and really had nothing much to do with it except a loan that the federal government gave them. That's the irony about it when they did this PPP loan that the, you know, the Treasury had to fund. This is one of the largest transfers of wealth and businesses that we have ever seen in the United States, and it's very troubling to see this. Now also, too, in other news, this is good news now, and i got to give this guy a round of applause. Saratoga County Sheriff up in New York, Saratoga County in New York, Sheriff Michael Zerlo has now summed up the sheriff's objections and said, basically said, I cannot see how devoting our resources to counting cars and citizens' driveways or investigating how much turkey and dressing they've purchased is for the public good, he said in a press release. He said this has nothing to do with virus fatigue. It is common sense rebellion against insanity. In a scathing Facebook Facebook post on Saturday, the sheriff basically questioned another another sheriff, Fulton County Sheriff Richard Gallardino in New York, questioned the legality of Governor Andrew Cuomo's newly instituted 10-person cap on parties and gatherings in private residences. And he said, and I quote, frankly, I am not sure it could sustain a constitutional challenge in court for several reasons, including your house is your castle, the sheriff wrote. He said, and as a sheriff with a law degree, I cannot in good faith attempt to defend it in court, so I will not enforce it. This is very important. The reason why I say this, and I really reiterate this, and I encourage all of you, make sure you're in contact with your local sheriffs and know who they are. The reason being is the sheriff in your county has much more autonomy and much more discretion than most people realize. The sheriff of the county pretty much can do anything he wants within reason, within you know legal bounds. Meaning, if a governor comes in and says, hey, we want you to do this, and we want to force you to get a vaccine, and we want you to stay in your home, and we want you to shut down your business, pretty much the end of the line defense is the sheriff's department. If the sheriff's department comes in and the overall sheriff of the county says, uh, governor, that is unlawful, that is unconstitutional, we will not enforce, and we will not obey those actions. Now, at that point in time, and we saw this, remember, in Virginia already, with the gun issues up there, if the governor stands, or the, the sheriff stands his ground on this, the only way the governor can force the sheriff into capitulation is basically through the National Guard. And at that point in time, you usually have other sheriffs of counties that come together and say, no, this is not going to work. So you end up with this very... Um, 
difficult situation that we have not really seen in recent history. But if you guys remember the situation that happened in Virginia where the governor came in and he said, you know, we're going to start banning this and banning that, and we're going to have the sheriffs come in and do this. And a bunch of sheriffs, a lot of sheriffs, actually a significant amount of sheriffs said, no, we're not going to enforce that. That's an unlawful order. We're not going to obey it. So, again, I encourage it. Where you live, know who your sheriff is. If you're planning on moving due to this nonsense right now and you're getting out of the horrible place that you're in, including New York and California, New Mexico, and you decide you're going to move somewhere else, make sure you research the sheriff of that county before you move there and understand how much pull these individuals have. Because I'm very proud of these sheriffs up here in New York that are basically saying, no. This is unlawful. We're not getting involved in it. We're not going to enforce it. We are not going to go out and count how many people are at homes. It is illegal. It is unlawful. It is not something we're going to do. So, again, I have to commend these sheriffs for standing their ground on this, Dan. And you know that what the nuclear option is for these governors, and they can't do it. They can do it. Depends on how it's written into the state constitution, is the governor is the only one in the state that has the power to remove the sheriff. You know, so I mean, but that's the nuclear option because when you start pulling the power base and the, how should I say, the law enforcement base apart in your own state, you are really asking for a mess, especially if you pull 10 or 12 sheriffs out of 10 or 12 major counties. Now you have like anarchy because they're all disorganized trying to restructure themselves. We had this happen here in Florida when our great governor DeSantis, I mean, absolutely great, he was running against the gay meth using piece of garbage, orgy, gay, using Gillum. God makes me want to puke. And he got caught in his meth-induced orgy, passed out by the police down there in South Florida. Basically, what happened is DeSantis, when Sheriff Israel, God, you can't even make that name up, down in Broward County down there, with Parkland shooting, had this guy stand down, and Governor DeSantis, when he came into office, he relieved Israel. He took him out of office. He said, you're done. You're out. I don't know what in the world happened down there. I got an idea. I don't like it. You're done. So the governor, in most cases, in the state constitution, if it's written in that way, can relieve the sheriff. But basically what that means is this. We're kind of breaking into, we're kind of broken down into little kingdoms. <laughs> okay. I mean, little landlords and lords and all that kind of stuff based off a of feudal system kind of indoctrination as far as, to be honest with you, what this is with the sheriff. The sheriff is literally like a little king in his county. And I, I, I'm not, and I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not making it up. It's true. He can pretty much do whatever he wants to do. Mind you, as long as he stays within the borders of the constitution of the county and this, and the state. And it's really, really, really that people get that, that they understand that, how important the sheriff is. I mean, if the sheriff doesn't want a state attorney to prosecute something, the sheriff simply doesn't arrest the person. So it never goes to the state attorney. He says, no, we're not going to prosecute this person for this shooting. It's like here a few weeks ago we had a guy basically get carjacked. You know, and basically this this guy was running around carjacking everybody. It was the craziest thing you've ever heard. And somebody probably pulled a gun on him and he get out of the car. And our sheriff said that that person would have been in their rights to shoot the guy who was trying to carjack him, and he would not have been charged. That's Sheriff Grady Judd. Now, we love Sheriff Grady Judd. He goes to our church, and he's absolutely wonderful. And I know him personally. In fact, he was supposed to be at my birthday party, but he got called out of town at the last minute, so he couldn't make it. I mean... Maintain a relationship with your sheriff. I mean, Grady Judd is the man. I mean, our ideal ticket would be this. I would have, you know, our governor, okay? 
I would have him, DeSantis, run for president of the United States. I would have Governor Nome from South Dakota be the vice president. And I would put Grady Judd in as attorney general as the absolute dream ticket for the United States to fix this mess. And these three could probably do it. The problem is, of course, these three would never be put into power because, number one, Governor Nome is constantly eviscerated because she refuses a mask mandate in South Dakota. Governor Gillum is constantly eviscerated because he refuses a mask mandate and will not lock the state down. And basically, Grady Judd would cause all of these people as attorney general to have basically strokes and die. Because <laughs> shoot him again, Grady would be in power, and it would all this whole thing would stop. And let me tell you why they call him Shoot Him Again, Grady, for you guys that have just started listening to the show. A few years ago, we had a Haitian come through town, basically through Polk County, and he shot an officer, shot the officer's dog, shot another officer. I mean, this unbelievable mess. Well, they tracked him down into the woods, and he was hiding like in the stump of a cypress tree, I guess. And they had a whole group of police officers tracking him down because the police officer's been shot. And what ended up happening is, when he finally was caught and found, he was inside of this cypress stump, and he apparently reached for his weapon. There were like 50 officers standing around him, and they shot him like 60 times. Kid you not. The guy was a complete and total piece of garbage. And what happened is this. They asked Grady Judd, why did you shoot him 60 times? This is awful. He goes, well, we shot him 60 times because we ran out of bullets. Yeah, that's Grady Judd. You can't have anarchy on the streets. You can't have Antifa running around, burning stores, beating people up, and think it's okay. It's not okay. We have to have a rule of law. And if we don't have that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And that's what we're seeing in these major democratically controlled cities. By the way, Austin was talking a second ago about how all these corporations that had received the PPP we're now filing bankruptcy. There are already thousands of them around the country. Well, why is that? Here's why that happens. There was no generated profits or cash flow being produced in most of these corporations for a period of four to six months. And the only thing they were doing is maintaining a shell by keeping their employees sitting around twiddling their thumbs while the government paid the employees' salary. Again, this yep. shows you how stupid the government is. They don't really think about how to run a business. Let's just give everybody free money, man. It's all right. Well, yeah, and now it's like Austin said. Now these guys can't pay back anything. Now they're in debt for all these bills and loans they took out. So now there's a corporate shell sitting there that if there's any assets or any real value, these international bankers can come just scarf it all up. Zero Hedge just had an article. COVID unleashes the undead army. 20% of all corporations are now zombies. What? Oh, yeah. Zombie firms are highly indebted and incur persistent losses, but continue to operate with the support of local governments or soft loans by banks, adding very little value to the corporate economic prospects. Unfortunately, since COVID, the problem's only gotten worse. Cash flows among these stressed corporate segments have remained flat or declined, while debt totals have risen further accentuating the zombie problem. So much so, according to the Bloomberg analysis of public companies in the Russell 3000, some 200 corporations have joined the ranks of zombie firms since the onset of the pandemic, bringing the total to over 500 large corporations or zombies. As a result now, nearly 20% of all large U.S. public companies are zombies. Even more stunning, there is now $1.4 trillion in zombie debt 
an increase of almost one trillion of debt since the pandemic struck, bringing total obligations to 1.36 trillion. A flood of new debt made possible by the Fed's director. It is backstopping of the corporate bond market. That's more than double the roughly 500 billion zombie corporate companies owed at the peak of the financial crisis. So here we are, from Boeing, Carnival, Delta to Exxon and Macy's. Many of the nation's most iconic companies aren't earning enough to cover their interest expenses, making them zombies as per the widely accepted definition. Guys, we have a major, major problem here in the United States with these big corporations. Now, what they're not talking about is you have all of the legacy debt from Boeing to Carnival to Delta to Exxon to Mobile and Macy's. These, the legacy debt is the pensions that they're supposed to be paying to their thousands and hundreds of thousands of workers that have already retired. If these companies go under, in some cases, that legacy debt, that legacy debt, if it hasn't been properly bonded or however they want to do it, so a surety bond basically will not be available to pay these guys, and we're going to have a massive, massive bloodletting again. This is crazy. Oh, by the way, over two dozen heads of major U.S. corporations, these heads are primarily Kabbalist communists, held a secret meeting on how to oust Trump. Can't make this stuff up. The Associated Press reported that Yale management professor Jeffrey Sonnenstedt, I wonder who that guy's where he's from, organized a secret video conference meeting on November the 6th with more than two dozen CEOs of major U.S. corporations to discuss what to do if Trump refuses to leave office. Sonnenfeld disclosed the leaders from Disney, there you go, Blackstone, whoopee-woo, Blackstone Investment Company, Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, Apple, Starbucks, that's, that's, they're not liberal, and General Electric attended the secret meeting. They all claimed there was no evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. They go on to say, if Trump does not yield, Sonnenfeld said the business titan's actions could include making public statements, woo, pressuring Republican legislators, electoral college votes, corporate relocations, and threats to stop donations. Oh, my goodness, to political action committees. Oh, no, they, they can't do that. The professor spoke with six or seven CEOs who said that if it were seditious riots at Trump rallies or more mass firings like Trump's dumping defense secretary Mark Esper and other Pentagon officials, they want to reconvene the talk about acting faster. Wait a minute. So this is a rule by the oligarchies? Oh, yeah. That's what we've been doing for a long, long time in the United States. Just thought I'd mention that. Michigan House member Matt Maddock now has filed to impeach Governor Gretchen. Well, horrible Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, they, this is just, I can't stand that woman. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to talk about her. And uh, we need to also realize that, you know, California governor, this is really important that we know who this clown really is and what he does, announces restrictions on 94% of the state's population. Yeah, this guy's like another loon. Democratic Governor Newsom pulled the emergency brake and put 41 out of 58 counties compromising over 94% of the state's population in the purple tier. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We've got a purple tier. You've got to follow it. And it does not allow indoor operations for places like museums. Close them down. No churches. No gyms, no restaurants. But you can have your dog on strip clubs. That's okay. California is also strengthening its face covering guidance to require people to wear masks whenever outside their own peasant. You can't walk outside. With, of course, limited exceptions may have to be there. And he said curfews are now being considered. You know, here's the thing with California. I would just take a big chainsaw and just cut that sucker off, let it fall out into the ocean, let those guys deal with it. 
this is ridiculous that this California mess has gotten to this level of complete and total insanity and tyranny. Austin, what do you think, bud? Uh, you're, you're exactly right about it. And now, something I wanted to bring up, because you were talking about the markets and these banks and these companies right now. There was an article that I brought up last year. Remember, I, I told you guys something was going to happen in the spring last year. I brought this up because Bridgewater, if you guys remember this, Bridgewater, back in, when was it, November of last year, put a $1.5 billion short on the market. Basically bet that the market was going to go belly up in the spring. Ironically, ironically, <laughs> it did. Like they knew what was going to happen. Now, what's interesting about it now, that same individual is now hedging against the pandemic again. They're saying now that Pershing Square Hedge Fund is now basically betting on defaults and they're going to sit there and they're essentially they're talking about another two billion dollars short on the market that basically the market is going to completely and totally collapse again and that they're not confident at all in the vaccine whatsoever this is not ironic now realistically in real world you would call this insider trading Obviously, these guys know what's going on. Who puts a $1.5 billion short on the market in November of 2019, and all of a sudden we have the novel coronavirus come in and wreck the economy in March 2020, and this guy literally made billions of dollars? This isn't coincidence whatsoever. These guys know what's about to happen. This is why they get into the level they're in, because they engage in this type of behavior and they go along with it. So again, understand what's about to happen. There's definitely a lot of things on the, on the, on the forefront right now going on. And this money that the Fed has been pumping in the stock market isn't going to last forever. Now, it may prop it up a little bit more. It may keep it going a little bit more like Deb said. You got all these big companies like Delta, like Boeing, like Carnival, they're to the point where they made up so much significant amount of the stock market, they're almost too big to fail if all of them start failing as far as in, in keeping a market together. The reason why, though, in my opinion, the globalists want this to happen is they want to contract everything down to a controllable size. Remember like AOC said, when we talked about that last year, oh, we're just green deal, we're going to stop all planes, we're going to stop all fossil fuels, well, they've done that significantly, haven't they now? Planes have, I mean, most companies have pretty much shuttered a lot of these companies as far as the planes. They 70, 80% of their airplanes are grounded. It's not worth running all the planes all the time. So they have very, very select flights you can pick. Well, you start seeing the cruise lines go under. All these different things go under now, but what does that do? That prevents people from being able to travel, doesn't it? That prevents people from being able to go freely unmolested on their way. Because once you start locking down country by country by country and bringing in a new world order, you can't have people going on a cruise ship for a one-month cruise across the country or around continents. You can't do that. I mean, first off, the peasants don't deserve to go on a cruise. That's, that's just a fact. They, they can't go do that. They can't go to different countries and get on and off the boat, and if they don't want to get back on the boat, they don't have to. You can't give them that autonomy. It has to be a complete and total totalitarian lockdown until they deem that everybody can do something like that under very, very, very strict rules. And this is, again, why I continue to encourage everybody, speak your mind if you're in a state right now. 
go to your county commissioners. It's interesting. Yesterday, I had a really good friend of mine, his mom, actually, who I know her. She texts me up, and she asked if I'd be willing to donate money to the school that she works for. Which did you not see? She works for a school down the road. It's a charter school, private charter school. Actually, it's a very nice school. And she asked me for, honestly, a pretty hefty donation. And I was kind of like, I'm, I'm homeschooling. And I said, just to be honest with you, I said, I make donations to every school every single year. It's called property taxes. She didn't think that was as funny as I did. I thought it was funny. And uh, she goes, well, no, we're really trying to raise money for this. And I said, okay. I said, I'll make you a deal. I said, are the kids being forced to wear masks in this charter school right now. She said, well, they don't have to have them on all the time when they're playing outside, but, you know, when school during the day, when they're going to the lunchroom in class, yeah, they have to wear them. I said, well, I'm diametrically opposed to that. I said, the developmental impact that this is going to have with oxygen deprivation on children is going to be catastrophic in the future. I said, it doesn't take somebody that's, you know, advanced in, you know, anatomy and physiology to realize when you start decreasing oxygen and increasing CO2 in a young developing body, it causes permanent brain damage. This is is a fact. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is fact. And I said, so I have a real problem with that. I said, I'll make you a deal. I said, you get petition and you get it so that the school board at the charter school, removes all mass mandates at the school, and I will give you pretty much whatever donation you want within reason. And she goes, well, I can't do that. I don't have the pull to do that. I said, well, then I don't have the pull to donate money to a school that I don't agree with their actions, do I? I said, if you want money and you want to get a donation, how about you actually do something that's beneficial for the kids? And the conversation kind of ended in crickets. It didn't go as well, I guess, she thought it did. This is what I'm telling everybody, and I've continued to tell everybody. Vote with your dollar. If it comes to Costco, if it comes to Starbucks, if it comes to Target, if it comes to any company that does not support your beliefs or maintain your constitutional values, why in the world are you giving them money? And I get there's certain things sometimes that may occur, certain things that go everywhere because money's fungible. I get that. But going directly to a store like Starbucks where the CEO comes out and goes, if you're pro-gun, if you basically are an American, is what he said indirectly, and you're proud of it and you believe in the Second Amendment, take your business elsewhere. Yet I still see people crowded in lines to go hand their money away on $7 coffees that taste like crap. Or even worse, when churches put Starbucks in their churches, when Starbucks matches one-to-one ratio any money that their employees donate to Planned Parenthood and other various organizations like that. If you give $100 to Planned Parenthood, Starbucks gives $100 and matches it. But we're putting these places in churches and we're giving them money? Get out of here with that. Vote with your dollar and make your voice heard. If you don't agree with something, don't give them money. If I don't like what Costco's doing, I'm revoking my membership. Just like we saw what happened. I told you what happened with Steve. You guys know that. I told Lynn the same thing. I said, pull the Costco membership. So we're not going back to Costco. So I'm done. I said, if they're going to be that draconian, that disrespectful, go out of line that going to give them money. I'm not going to support them. And if everybody started doing that in this country, it would literally change things around in a matter of days. Days. Not even weeks, not even months. Days. If you had hundreds of millions of people that said, you know what? We're done. If you're going to tell us we have to wear a mask just to enter your store, we're going to go somewhere else. If you're telling us that you support abortion and you don't support the Second Amendment, we're done. But see, the problem is that actually takes 
change. That actually has to make you do something. People actually have to get engaged. And that's the issue that we have found ourselves in the United States now is the American populace has become so dumbed down. Nobody wants to engage. Nobody wants any conflict. It's the same thing like I see all the time. Majority of people I talk to about masks, they say, they're like, dude, we know they don't work. They suck. They're horrible. I can't breathe. I'm dizzy when I wear them all day. I said, then why do you wear them? Well, because I just don't want to deal with any conflict. I don't want people to get mad at me. Really? You're willing to compromise your own health? You're willing to reduce your own oxygen because you don't want to deal with conflict? We reached that point in America now where the populace has become that sissified, to use the term? I don't know. You guys prove me wrong. Also, to another news, one other story before I give it back to Dad real quick. Uh, this social media platform, Parler, I don't know anything about it. I've been hearing it coming about now. Apparently, the CEO is very pro-Constitution. It's a social media platform now that, it, from what I am reading, it is now the most downloaded application in the U.S. on Google Play, overtaking platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And apparently, the CEO has come out now, John Matz, and he has said, we're not censoring anything unless it's, you know, grossly illegal, like you're trying to put up, you know, child porn or something. Obviously, that doesn't go up. But as far as censorship, people speaking their mind, being able to spread what they believe, completely open platform, and it has been taking off like a wildfire. Hundreds upon hundreds of platforms that I have seen on Twitter and Instagram have now been moving over to Parler and setting up the account. So I'm going to look into it a little bit more. I'll tell you right now, I don't know anything about it. Not a social media guru. If it's something worth doing, I'll talk to Sharon, and we may set up a platform and start doing something like that because a lot of our Instagram stuff is getting uh, censored or shadow banned. A shadow banning, if you guys don't know, is essentially when the media platform goes in and they drop your algorithm into the floor, meaning normally you may get a 1,000 views on something, just a nominal topic, and then you post something about masks or you post something about vaccines, and instead of getting 1,000 views, you get 50 views. That's shadow banning. It's very, very common. It's very problematic. It's very prevalent social media right now. So we'll look into it, Dad. What do you think? Have I lost you? I don't know what happened to Ted. I must have lost him on his disconnect. I'll run to another article real quick. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting as well. The UN now has announced its biometric digital ID wallet for their employees. This is interesting. The particular UN biometric digital wallet now, they said, is intended for UN employees and can be used for data related for human resources, medical status, travel, payroll, and pensions. It is now being rolled out on people's phones. Exactly what they talked about doing eight months ago, the platform is already released and ready to go. And this is why I've told people, do not absolutely allow your permissions to be turned on your phone when it comes to tracking and tracing with this crap. Do not allow your permissions to be on the social media apps. If you have to use social media app for something, flip it on, accept the permission, do what you need to do, and turn it back off. These apps, these track and trace things, they're designed to do one thing. That's gather intel or data gathering. That's all they do. That is all they do is monitor and build data on you. Everywhere you go, everywhere you, everything you look at, everything you say, it gets data logged. The entire reason why they're coming out now with this digital ID wallet is to do exactly what we've been screaming about for the last eight months. It's to put together a vaccine COVID passport. They've already talked about this. They're telling us what they're planning on doing. This is another thing that I'm letting everybody know. 
you cannot capitulate with this. You cannot go along with this if you want to maintain a constitutional republic. That's just a fact. Once they have something in place where they no longer allow you to travel freely on your way, they no longer allow you to use and to basically utilize your God-given rights, they no longer allow you to basically express your constitutional freedoms. And they start telling you, well, you have to do this if you want to go here, and you have to get a passport, you have to get a vaccine, and you have to get permission. At that point in time, you no longer are a human being. You are now a slave, and that is the entire point of what they're trying to do. Hence the same reason why whatever whatever they have in this COVID RNA vaccine, uh, we already know the main ingredients when it comes to the aborted fetal tissue. That's I've talked about that for years, and I already knew they were going to do that. We've been talking about it. But what in the world is in here that they have to protect the genetic material in the vaccine, and I quote, so they said protect the genetic material, that they have to go at, what, negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever it's supposed to be. I think it's negative 94. What in the world is in this stuff that they're trying to protect whatever genetic material is in here? Because even normal vaccines that have aborted fetal tissue in them, which is already horrible, like the MMR vaccine and the chickenpox vaccine, they don't have to be kept that cold. Most of them have to be kept basically either refrigerated in some cases or right below freezing, like 30 degrees. Few of them have to go down to like zero that I've read about. But negative 94, I mean, that's that's a real specific temperature, guys. It's not, well, it has to be kept below freezing. All right, I got that. It's got to be below freezing. Negative 94, it's on a whole other level of cold when you start reaching that. So I'm not really sure. Again, it's going to be something that, I'm not going to take. I encourage everybody not to take it. And we have to continue to speak the truth and wake people up the best we can. I know Dad and I, pretty much everywhere we go, we try to be vocal about this. And a lot of our listeners do the same. I told you guys the other day about Lana, when she went over to Whole Foods for the first time in ever to pick up some stuff that was on sale and essentially ended up having this lady, a customer, verbally accost her, basically tell her she needs to put a mask on. She told her to mind her own business very directly. You know, the more people stand up to this, the more people that are vocal, the more people can make a difference. There are so many people in this country. There are so many awake people in this country. And the fact that so many individuals are just taking a step back, going on the sidelines, shutting their mouth, putting a mask on, and refusing to even speak their mind troubles me so much to a level I can't even understand. And the fact that so many people are actually going along with what these states are trying to mandate and say, oh, we're going to do this. That's why I've been so proud of Ian up there at the Atlas Gym, up there in New Jersey. I mean, these guys have hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines now from reopening their gym. And he has been a spearhead up there in the Northeast, very liberal area, and basically saying, no, we're not going to shut down our gym. We're going to kick the door open again. You want to board it up? We're going to kick it open again. We're going to basically, we are now a political rally point so people can come in and exercise their political speech in our gym. So he said, he completely and totally said no. If everybody started doing that with a small business, they can't stop us. That's what some people fail to realize. Well, you know, there's a lot of them. No, there's not. But you have, you, have, you have law enforcement, most of which are not going to enforce it. You have some that are unconstitutional followers, but not a lot. You got some of the bankers. You got, you know, I mean, the National Guard. Were they going to bring those guys in? They're not, 
most of them aren't going to want to engage with that. They're not going to go into open businesses that are peacefully opening. And plus, when you start having millions of people engaged in civil disobedience, it's physically impossible to stop all of them. Literally, it's physically impossible. Please, if you have a small business, stand your ground on this. Continue to speak the truth. Continue to stay open. Continue to make a living for your family and continue to maintain a constitutional republic. I appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you for the support and emails and everything you continue to do for us. Feel free to check us out on the website, healthmasters.com. There's lots of stuff we have on there. Vitamin C and D3 are such a staple right now. Everybody that I know that's been running them stays unbelievably healthy. This whole everybody's getting sick and everybody's dying lie by the same media that told us Biden won in a completely and totally theft election that we're still in the middle of fighting right now. That's back and forth. I don't even know what to believe anymore right now, to tell you. The media is completely and totally complicit in lying to us. If they're willing to lie to us about the election, do you think they're going to lie to us about COVID? What's going on with that? And tell us to wear masks? Absolutely. These guys are liars. The mainstream media is a propaganda arm of the deep state. Always realize that. Healthmasters.com. Product of the week, eyesight, magnesium, brain food on sale right now. Lots of specials. Food buckets in stock. Organic food bucket four-pack special back on sale. Check it out on the website, healthmasters.com. I appreciate everything. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always.